0: Good morning again. Amazing that we're here. Three below. Glad that you're here. Um, just as a reminder before we have a missions report and we'll go into the message, uh, if you're interested in what's happening in the church, you want to get involved in a small group or know what's happening, there are posters out in the lobby where you can uh, scan a QR code and find out what ministries happen in the church, what small groups are happening, are Small group session will ramp up in a couple of weeks here, and if you don't get the email that uh, Adam sends out every Tuesday, it's great. So uh, go to me or to Adam. Can you show yourself, Adam? Go to Adam and let him know, I want to get that email, Um, and you'll find out all sorts of things that are happening. Um, We were hoping to hear this morning from Grace Matthews, one of our mission partners, but she woke up feeling, as she said, crummy. And so we got the second best thing, Eddie Matthews. <laughs> I'm, I mean that in the nicest way.
1: <laughs> yes, OK. Is my wife here? <laughs> Seems like you should know that. <laughs> uh, I'm up doing this thing, <laughs> and I don't. Uh, okay. Well, you got the third best thing because I'm, yeah. My daughter, Grace, we're, um, is an awesome human being, and she has been doing the YWAM adventure for a few years now, which mm-hmm. is pretty Awesome which started in Norway and took her all over the world. And she went to uh, San Francisco to be with uh, Francis Chan and, and Fran Chan and San Fran. And then she went to Hawaii and now she is in Brazil. And she, um, she spent a long time in Brazil. She's great with languages. She's really picked up Portuguese and she's, she's pretty fluent now. And she, her next move is to a new base in a little city. Of two million people, called I think Curitiba, something really close to that, which is like south of Sao Paulo. And uh, she's really excited about it. This base does a number of cool things. They reach out to the community and have a whole program for the kids who are very poor nearby. They also have like a high ropes adventure kind of course. Um, these bases, you know, can be pretty big in YWAM. I mean, a couple thousand. People, and I think this one's around a thousand. And so they have a number of different things going on. She's very excited about it, and um, that's basically what's going on with Grace. She's going to be down there for a couple of years. Uh, This church supports her, and she, I'm sure, if she was standing here, would say thank you very much. And, um, you know, this church is very, um, she loves you guys, Mm. and we love her. So, (laughs) That's the best I can do. Uh,
0: Let's, hold on, stay here, we'll pray, yeah. Um, By the way, any other YWAMers here? You were a YWAMer, you uh, belong to a YWAMer, you have a child who's a YWAMer, you can spell YWAM. Um, Dan, why don't you stand? Any others? Yeah, stand. We want to pray for you too. Okay, well we'll pray for grace and we'll pray for you guys. God, thank you for grace. Thank you for um, the gift of the Holy Spirit within her to just go and do and be your hands and your feet in the world. We ask that you bless her, that you provide for her uh, financially, physically, that you release health into her body even right now and um, that she would know that we are with her. She is not alone. Thank you for her ministry. And then for these, the YWAMers and those connected too, we just thank you for the great faith that is within them, that they just go on a budget of zero and love you and love people. So bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Eddie. Hey, you did a good job. (laughs) I mean, you're no grace or anything, but Uh, tomorrow we, uh, celebrate the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr., um, and, uh, so it's a special weekend, it's a special day, a special week in the life of our country, and really, um, around the world. It seems especially today appropriate to honor his memory as we talk about the attributes of God. When you think about, uh, MLK and, you know, his passion for love, nonviolence, and for justice, you know, those are attributes of God, and, um... Last year, I helped attach, uh, teach a class up at Anderson, and it was peace and conflict transformation. Uh, I didn't feel very adequate to do that, but I had a friend doing that with me, and um, I read for the first time a book called uh, "Letter from a Birmingham Jail," and it was it's powerful. I mean, it'll it'll take your breath away. So I just thought, as we uh, honored um, his memory, I would read this one quote. It's a prayer. It's really a hope. He said, Let us all hope that the dark clouds of racial prejudice will soon pass away, and the deep fog of misunderstanding will be lifted from our fear-drenched communities. And in some not-too-distant tomorrow, the radiant stars of love and brotherhood will shine over our great nation with all their scintillating beauty. God, we... uh, Thank you for the, uh, the life of Martin Luther King Jr. We thank you for his passion and for his calling and for the gift that he has been to our country for the cause of justice. And we ask that you'd answer this prayer, even in our day and in our fear-drenched communities. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, transitions can sometimes be awkward. Um, I had a class. I was in seminary some number centuries ago. Um, It was probably 1992, and I was uh, in a class with a guy named Dr. Wayne Grudem, Um, sort of powerful in systematic theology, also had a big influence on the vineyard and helped the vineyard sort of understand the kingdom of God, the now and the not yet, and how theology and the gifts of the Holy Spirit all work together so that here we are with um, minds that love God and spirits that show the work of God. And uh, the class I was taking, this is, I mean, this is literally the class I remember from seminary. I was there for years and... um, I remember this class, and it was on the attributes of God, and um, I remember the day that Dr. Grudem said, you know, um, as we were talking about the attributes of God, he said, I want to I ask here in the, in the class, what jobs have you had? Either what do you do now or what have you done? And he said, I want to I talk about how do we show the attributes of God in the way we work, and so he just had people saying the jobs they had. And then we were looking at the attributes of God and saying, here's how you imitate that. Here's how you show an attribute of God in your work. So it comes to me and, and I'm like, I'm a window washer. That's what I did for three years in seminary. I washed windows. So I was downtown Chicago in a mall, just five in the morning, washing windows, occasionally eating a Cinnabon and then washing more windows. And uh, so it got to me. I felt a little ashamed, like window wash or whatever, you know. So people start talking. And I don't know if it was Dr. Grudem or someone else. They said, um, Randy, you help people see clearly something of value. And it, it like changed the way I thought about my little bucket and squeegee. You help people see something of value and worth. Um, And I mean, they kind of went on. I get chills now thinking about it. They're like, you take away the stuff of the world that keeps people from seeing something beautiful, something valuable, something of worth, something worthy of purchase. And I thought, man, that's that's good. I was thinking about it um, as we talk about attributes this week, and I thought, I think I'm still trying to do that. I think in some ways, you know, in my job, I'm still trying to clear a path for people to see Jesus. I'm still trying to clean up some stuff, not just in your lives, in my own life. Still trying to see a a clear picture of someone who is of inestimable value. Unbelievable beauty and eternal worth. I think that's what we all do in some way, shape, or form in our work. We're uh, in a short series in the next couple of weeks. We're just calling it the way of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about some attributes of Jesus and then how we can imitate those. And then we're going to take some practices of Jesus and just say, not how do we just look at him, but how do we live in him? How do we live with him? How do we live out the calling of Jesus in our lives? An attribute is just a characteristic of a person's nature. You say, Mike, oh, he's a loving person. Judy, oh, she's kind. That's an attribute. It's something that's a part of their nature. It's the way we would describe them. So attributes of God are those characteristics that are an essential part of God's nature. Something that God, whether through scripture or nature or whatever, has revealed himself to be. And so we talk about the attributes of God. And I remember Dr. Grude when talking about this. There are... Two types of attributes, the communicable and the incommunicable. Sounds like diseases, right? It's not. The incommunicable attributes of God are those things that are true about God that though we worship him for them, we can't imitate them. The, the big incommunicable attributes of God, there are a number of them, but it would be the omnis, right? Omnipresent, omniscient, all-powerful, omnipotent. So God has all power, God knows all things, and he could be in all places at all times. We have some power, we know some things, and we can be here on a good day if we try real hard. (laughs) So that's an incommunicable, those are incommunicable attributes. We can't imitate those all powerful things, but there are communicable attributes, and those are attributes that we can imitate. Martin Luther King Jr. imitated the justice of God, imitated the peace of God, imitated the powerful voice of God, imitated the love of God in his life and the many that he led. So today we want to talk about holiness. We want to talk about the holiness of God, specifically the holiness of Jesus. And I was... um, we were with the worship team praying before the service, and somebody said, what are you talking about or something? And I'm like, talking about holiness today. And I'm just going to be honest here. I'm like, you know, we don't, we're not a big holiness church. This is not the normal theme of the vineyard. We're big on grace. We're big on love, right? And we probably cater to, invite people in who have been burned by legalism. Or, or, or hurt by the church in some way. You have to be, and you must, and so forth. But holiness is a part of our faith. I mean, holiness is an attribute of the God who called us. And so as I was just kind of struggling with that, somebody on the worship team said, but you know, when you repent, this is what they said, when I have repented in my life, all of a sudden holiness is incredibly attractive when I've turned from sin and then I feel freedom, it's like there, there's something in holiness that's all of a sudden, like I'm clean and I want to go. I'm with God now. I'm, I'm not separated. I'm not worried about that thing. I'm not concerned, you know, what's going to happen because I'm here close to God. It's holiness. Definition of holiness, the simple version, set apart from sin to God. Just simply, uh, holiness is the distinction, the, the set apart, the separation from sin unto God. So a holy person is someone who is completely set apart unto God. Jesus was completely set apart unto God. He was distinct also from humans. Turns out he was God. But he was set apart, and so his life was about the things of God. Small difference between holiness and righteousness we're not going to talk about righteousness, though I do commend it to you. But we're not, that's not the, the morning's talk. To be holy is to be separate and distinct, set apart exclusively for God. To be righteous is to live out that holiness, that set-apartness with moral acts. So Jesus was both holy, completely other than us, and separate, distinct and set apart for God. But he was also righteous, which means that holiness found its way out of him and he did things that were good in the world of, uh, of ultimate moral value. Jesus never sinned. He was holy and righteous. And we're called. In fact, we're redeemed for the purpose of holiness and righteousness. Luke chapter 1, this is... Uh, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, he's realizing what's about to happen as the Savior's being born. And he says this, God has come to his people and redeemed them. That's us. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him, that is God, without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. It's part of our calling. It's one of the reasons God redeemed us is so that we would be a holy and a righteous people, not by ourselves, not by legalism, not by, you know, gathering up our own strength, but by grace. Jesus is holy, separate and distinct, set apart for God, by God, because he was God. Jesus showed us what perfect holiness in the world looks like. His holiness was complete, unique, and distinct from all other beings because he showed infinite beauty and absolute worth in a human, in a person, completely God, completely man, completely mind-boggling, to try to figure out how those two things go together. Jesus identified himself as one who did the will of the Father, always wanting to please the Father and not himself. And he did it for the glory of the Father and for the sake of the world. He identified himself like that. And his aim was to say and do what the Father told him. If we want to know what holiness is, what it looks like in the world, we just keep looking at Jesus. I had sort of a big Jesus message last week, and there was somebody watching online, and they were kind of mocking me. I think she's like, I think you said something about Jesus last week. <laughs> And I'm like, "That's try what I all said. That's only what I wanted to say." <laughs> Jesus lived his life wholly devoted to God. He lived in the actual world and without sin. Think about that for a second. Jesus living in th- the world that we know. It's not like it was better back then, and now we're all a mess. It was a mess back then, and now we're all a messer. It's it's I mean it's just bad. It was bad then it's bad now. It's hard. He lived without envy. He lived without lust. He lived without unrighteous anger. He 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 lived without any of those sins that get you. He lived without gluttony. He lived without self-pity. I mean amazing when you think what Jesus lived his life without in the world. He understood the temptations that we face, and he chose holiness every single time. So it's probably important that we talk about what holiness is not. Holiness is not a life that's free from temptation or desire. I think sometimes, or maybe somewhere in the world, you got the idea that holiness means I'm never tempted, and I have no desires of my own. That's not a human. Thank you. Holiness doesn't mean there's no temptation or no desire. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, talking about the high priest that we have. Jesus as the one that is between us and the Father, who brings us to the Father. And the writer of the Hebrews says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I think we got to make a big deal about that. Jesus was tempted in every way as we are and yet without sin. Sometimes we think a temptation comes and we think, I must be horrible because I want to do this terrible thing. If I read what the Bible says, Jesus was tempted to do the terrible thing. Just let that roll around in your brain for a second. Jesus was tempted to do the terrible thing. And not because he was God, this is my opinion, not every theologian, but not just because he was God, he didn't sin, but because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he did what the Holy Spirit said. And so he walked out holiness. Which means we can walk out holiness because we have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. Jesus did not just live for God for the sake of people. He lived as God. And we're called to do the same. We're called to live as the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Last week, I um, mentioned Hebrews 1.3. It says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus shows us exactly what the Father looks like walking on the earth, living in a body, waking up tired, being grouchy dealing with humans day after day after day and living a holy lifestyle. Living out his eternal and unconditional love by giving himself for us. And then he invites us, he commands us, in fact, to do the same, to live like he did in the world. He commands us to be holy. So you're holy, right? Does everyone want to stand up and say, yes, I'm holy, we can, but it's kind of awkward. But we can imitate the holiness of Jesus. One of the reasons that God chose us is to be his is that we would be holy. Ephesians 1, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So when God was thinking about us before the foundation of the world, before you existed, God was thinking about you and he chose you and he determined, he destined to set his love upon you, and his purpose for you was holy and blameless. That's what was in his mind when he created you, and it still is. There's a little, it's a little different for us in Jesus, because Jesus was, was always holy, and our holiness had a beginning time, because we all know times when we weren't holy. When, Jesus, when God saved us by grace through faith in Jesus, we became, just understand this word, positionally holy. Our position before God became perfect, whole, complete, blameless. So Jesus lives in us, and God looks at us, and he sees Jesus, the living word, and he says, Randy, your name happens to be Randy. It's handy because mine is too. Randy, you're holy. You are blameless, and that's your position before God. If you're in Christ, that's your position before God right now, no matter what you might feel or deal with, etc., Our position before God because of Jesus is holy. It's righteous. It's something to, to give worship to God for because he's given us a new nature, a new heart, and our sins are forgiven and we're cleansed. We're holy people. You think, well, how did that happen? Second Corinthians 5, God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Again, it's just a mind-boggling concept that the one who knew no sin and was always holy came to be on this earth as a human in flesh filled with the Holy Spirit, not just using all his God stuff to make it good, but living in the world. And God said, that one that I love and who is perfect, I will make him to be sin. To claim sin in his body on the cross so that the ones who don't know and who are unrighteous could become the righteousness of God in Christ. So you could, without pride, get up in the morning, look in the mirror, if you're in Christ and say, hey, you are the right- righteousness of God in Christ. That's true about you. And the truest thing about you is what God says about you. And that's true about us in Christ. So if maybe you can picture a graph, I should have put a picture up, but if you can picture a graph, you know, with a vertical axis and a horizontal axis, and positionally, this is where we stand with God. Slime ball, no good, getting a little better. And right up here is 100% righteous before God. So here we are, we're going along our life, sometimes good, sometimes bad, and so forth. And then we meet Jesus. And you know what happens? Our righteousness, righteousness soars to the top. And all of a sudden, God looks at us and says, perfectly righteous. That's our vertical position with God in Christ. Now, it gets a little harder down here, Right? Because this is our life as it goes along. If this is justification, God making us righteous before him because of Jesus, this is sanctification. And it's a little bit more sweat involved. This is where we live our lives up and down. And we become increasingly holy and then go backwards. And, you know, we kind of do this. But regardless of where we are on the horizontal, in the vertical positionally, we're perfect. There was a time in history when we believed, and Hebrews 10 says, by God's will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Sometimes we live out that holiness. We're hidden in Christ, fully justified before God, and we share in his holiness. And so because we're positionally holy and righteous, God calls us to live out conditionally holiness and righteousness. It's a part of our calling before him and in the world. And it's possible. Because the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus that allowed him to walk a holy life is in us. So the question, the hard question for the day, are you holy? Are you walking it out? Are you living in Practice what is true about you in position. And I ask that question not to bring condemnation because that's the bad guy. He brings condemnation. God brings invitation to say, okay, I know who I am and I know whose I am, but what would it look like for me to begin to live that? And is there a place where God's calling me to pursue holiness? Are we increasingly set apart for God in our mind, heart, and actions in the world? Not just what we say no to, though that's important, right? I mean, as you mature in Christ, there are lots of things you used to, you say no to those. But what we're saying yes to, wouldn't it be great if Christians in the world were known more for what they say yes to than what they say no to? More for what we are for than what we're against? Wouldn't that communicate something to the world? I mean, I think MLK did that, right? I mean, there was some stuff he was against, but he was for justice. He was for love. He was for equity, not just against the other things. By the way we live, are we showing that we're set apart for God? Are we becoming more like Jesus in character and action every day? You know, we've got values. I don't know if they're probably just blind spots to you now, but when you walk into the sanctuary, these are our six values of the vineyard on the wall. Number one is the presence of God. It's all, it all comes from there. And then we've got stuff we'll talk about. But personal transformation over there is a value that we believe in. We become more like Jesus every day in character and action. That's sanctification doing its work. That's us walking out a holy lifestyle increasingly. Are we becoming more like Jesus? Are we showing to the world his ultimate value and his beauty and his worth? Are we washing windows for people? Are we just helping them see here in this imperfect life, you know, this is what Jesus looks like? This this is how beautiful he is, this is what he's worth. I'm not talking about an attempt to earn God's favor, because that's already ours. In Christ, there's no more. Grace is ours. We don't have to earn anything. But a mindset that puts God first in life. And if you're looking in the Bible, you're like, what does holiness look like? I'll just give you a, I gave you a reading plan last week, I think, in the Gospels. I'll give you another one. Galatians 5, that's the fruit of the Spirit, and the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7. You want to know what holiness looks like that you might imitate in this next year the holiness of Jesus. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit and the Sermon on the Mount. And live like Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16. I want to, I'm going to read a pile of scriptures here. Um, some will be on the screen and some won't. But listen, take them in and let God do what he wants to do in you. 1 Peter 1, By the way, Peter's speaking to a people being persecuted. He's speaking to a church that is really going through the ringer, as in Christians being killed. This is a hard time. This is persecution in a big way. And he's calling these people to live differently because they're aliens, they're foreigners. They live from heaven to earth. And so Peter says to them, by the Holy Spirit, therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. I don't know if it's up there, but the next verse that I forgot was, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, that was written Old Testament. You know, you think God the Father writing that. That's Jesus writing that. I mean, that's Jesus, the living word, saying, be holy because I'm holy. And I'll give my holiness to you, but let's do it in the world. We've probably had enough time conforming to our old evil desires. I mean, the the epistles say that over and over. We've done enough of that. There's been enough time for all that. Those things we did when we were ignorant, before we knew Jesus, before we believed, before we were filled with the Holy Spirit and knew the grace of God, before we were empowered by grace to do his will with joyful confidence. I mean, like the you know the person on the worship team. Do you, do you remember, you know what that feels like when you turn from something that you know is wrong and there you are with God and you're like, I can be confident in the world because I'm walking in God's will. I know he's pleased with me. Do we have a mind that's alert, a mind that is serious about the things of God? I read some stuff from John Piper this week, and he says, are we ever aware of God, ever submitted to God, always trusting God, always guided by God, always hoping in God? I think it's time for some of us to wake up, to be alert, to be serious about our walk with Jesus, not because we fear punishment, not because we think if we do something wrong, you know, if we put a bad finger up while driving to a neighbor or think a bad thought or succumb to a temptation, not because we're afraid of what God will do to us, but out of fear of the Lord, reverence for who God is, Picturing, imagining, knowing, and recognizing his holiness. His complete, distinct, uh, the, the theologians call it his complete otherness. And yet we're called to imitate that one. Out of a longing for the world around us to see how valuable he is, how beautiful, and to experience his perfect justice. I grew up in a church that uh, confessed a creed, a catechism, and I won't go to, into all the details about that, but I can remember um, reading this catechism over and over as a kid, and, and the, 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 ter- the phrase that always scared the bejeebers out of me would talk about God, the one who will judge the living and the dead. In the old version, it was judging the quick and the dead. I mean, God is coming to judge. When Jesus comes back, there will be a judgment. We don't live in fear of that judgment because we're holy. But as we live out in the world, many people have fear of judgment. They should. And we get to show them Jesus. We get to show them grace. We get to live it out in the world so they can see it. Holiness is our spirit-empowered attempt to live out in practice in the world what's already utterly and eternally true in our position before God. To me, that's holiness. It's our spirit-empowered attempt to live out in practice out there in the world what's completely, utterly, and eternally true positionally in our lives. It's being who we are. I mean, I think that's what it is. It's just being out there who we are the Bible talks about practical holiness in the language of changing clothes. So I'll just uh, commend to you Colossians chapter 3. If you want to dive into holiness this week, Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read a few verses, but I give it to you as a gift. So Paul talked to the Colossians. He said, you know, living in holiness is like changing clothes. It's putting off the old, stinky, not-so-good, very-bad stuff and putting on the clean and the holy, and the righteous, and the new. So, beginning of Colossians 3, Paul says, Put off, or put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. we're being formed into the image of Jesus and we get to cooperate with it. Holiness means putting away an old lifestyle. Now, here's the positive. Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's a good change of clothes. I mean, that's a lot of stuff that we're ready to be rid of. And a lot of stuff that we're ready to walk in. Holiness is God's people living according to the ways of our true homeland. I mean, we're seated in heaven. That's what Paul says. And we get to live like we're in heaven on the earth. Probably you realize that when you live like that in the world, not everybody's really happy about it. Some people, they'll see your life, and as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, they will smell the fragrance of life. I mean, they look at you and they say, I want that. That's something good. That's beautiful. How, where does that come from? How can you be so loving? How can you be so gracious? How can you be so kind? How can you be so forgiving? And they smell the fragrance of life. But Paul says there are others who will look at your holy life and they will smell the stench of death. And so, what will they do? Mock you? Scorn you? Anybody had any good mocking or scorning this week? I mean, it happens. Because there is an enemy in the world who is against the holiness of God, even in our own lives. How do we live in love with those who see the good things in us and turn them bad and mock us? I think the answer is love. And we'll get to that in the attributes. Just so happens there's a great MLK quote related to love just popped up for me. Justice is love correcting that which would work against love. Justice, in living it out in the world, God's perfect order, is love correcting that which would work against love. Standing beside love is always justice. And we are only using the tools of justice. How do we live with people who would mock us and scorn us because of what we believe and what we do? We work with the tools of love. Not with antagonism, not with anger, not with name-calling, not with wars and fights, but with love. We imitate Jesus. So... For us this morning, a question is, where is Jesus inviting you to imitate him? Is there something in that list that you realize, Jesus is inviting me to put something off? Not put it off like not do it. (laughs) Put it off like change your clothes. Take that one off. Or is there something that Jesus is inviting you to put on? Kindness, compassion, love, forgiveness. You know the hardest one in there for me? Bearing with one another. Why is there laughing? I think the other ones are like sort of cut and dry, bearing with one another. What does that mean? <laughs> I think we're about to have a sozo up here. What's Jesus inviting you to this morning? Something to put off, something to put on. Ask him this week and listen. Listen, trust the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Again, it won't sound like condemnation. It will sound like an invitation into that freedom that comes from repentance on the way to holiness. It will sound like the invitation of Jesus, not like an accusation from the enemy. And if you're really extremely courageous, ask someone else, what do you think I should put off? What do you think I should put on? Someone who knows you well and also loves you well. Those are both important. But ask them. And then ask them would you pray for me so I could walk in that, so I could walk in holiness? Trust Him to speak to you and to empower you to obey in joyful holiness. Let's pray. Why don't you stand? The ministry team. If you're on the ministry team, would you come forward? We always like to invite people to come and to pray. Whether God spoke something this morning when you woke up or in a dream last night. Maybe on the way in as you were slipping around the parking lot. Maybe during worship, maybe during the message. So if you're on the ministry team, come forward, thanks. But don't leave this morning without saying yes to the invitation of Jesus whatever it might be. Maybe it's something glorious and you want to share it and you want to be empowered to live in it. Maybe it's something you need to put off. Maybe it's something you want to put on. Maybe it's a, a physical issue that you realize this, this I'm struggling with this or a spiritual thing. We just invite you to come and we'll pray for you. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this morning. Thank you for grace here at the Indy Vineyard. Thank you for every person That's walked in every soul here this morning, a soul before God. Made holy by Jesus, called to be holy by Jesus, empowered for holiness by the Holy Spirit. Be with us, lead us, change us. Use us, send us into the world to show the world and give away the love and the power of God. Amen. If you want someone to pray for you, come forward. If you just need to be a bit before God, you can sit, you can come and kneel. Um, You don't want to go out in the cold anyway, so stay here as long as you want. God bless you.